Hi there, and welcome to the Youth Ministries Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Shaw. Our vision is to educate and engage apostolic leaders just like you so that you can become more effective in youth ministry. One way that you can help us is by leaving us a star rating in your favorite podcast app, writing us a review, and most importantly, and this really is the most important thing you can do to support us, share this episode with a friend or fellow leader Help us get the word out about this great resource. Move the Mission is underway, and we are so excited for the missions and ministries that will advance the kingdom of God this year because of your generous, sacrificial giving. So talk to your pastor, youth pastor, and youth president about how you can become involved in moving the mission. Also, for one night only, that's right, you heard me, one night only, July 30th at 7 p.m. Central is NAYC 21 Online. Michael Thomas, our youth ministry's youth president, and Victor Jackson will be preaching this powerful, life-changing event. So get your youth group together, get a watch party going, and let's see what God will do across the continent. Well, today's episode, I'm so pumped about it because today is all about leading young people through the mental health crisis of COVID-19. This is such an important episode. Whether you're like me and you are still in lockdown or whether your state or your province or your country is all the way open. Because one thing we're noticing across the globe is there is an explosion of mental health issues amongst young people because of this crisis. And our guest today, I can't think of anyone better than him to talk to us about how to lead young people through the fallout and the recovery process of COVID-19. Today's guest is Chad Flowers. He is married to his best friend and teammate, Mendy. He's daddy to his two little girls, Jaden and Kiera, and his son, Chandler. He lives in Mesquite, Texas, where he has a private practice as a licensed professional counselor and he serves as senior pastor of Emmanuel Pentecostal Church. And today he's here to talk to us about how to lead young people through the mental health impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's jump right in to today's show. Hey, Chad, it's such a great honor to have you on the podcast today. I just want to turn everything over to you uh, so you can talk to us for a few moments. Thank you, Adam. And it is an honor to get to be with you today on this podcast. I'm going to be talking about the mental health impact of COVID-19 on our youth and young adults. And I want to take about the next 15 minutes. I want to talk briefly about what some of the research is telling us about mental health uh, on the impact of COVID-19 on our adolescents. But looking at what history teaches us, um, how we're seeing it affect our students directly in the UPCI beyond just, just worldwide kind of looking at what some takeaways are and how we can learn to seek God as we're moving through all this, because they didn't exactly teach us how to pastor and navigate in a pandemic, did they? Um, but looking at some research there, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a PhD program right now, so I have access uh, to, uh, to some different uh, search tools and search engines that give me up-to-date uh, research. And so I'm looking at some articles here published from a few different different places around the world, but stuff that's come out since the beginning of this year. Uh, just to, when I talk about research on uh, the impact of COVID-19 on our young people, uh, there's a Journal of Indian Association for Child and Adolescent Mental Health. And in January this year, they posted, they did a study with the age group of participants, age 13 to 17, 
Most of those were 14 to 16. So that's right. Primary age of a lot of our youth. Uh, most of those were female, but they found that uh, obviously in their study, over half the participants are reporting excessive social media engagement, a lot of screen time, which, you know, even though that's in over in India, I think that affects us here in the U.S. and Canada. Um, issues that they found that a lot of our adolescents are dealing with difficulty in getting devices to work. So a lot of stress with school, since most are having to homeschool and do distance learning, um, stress about finishing up assignments and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and then obviously just the, the overall stress of lack of in-person interaction. So this one research, now again, this is not a church anyway. This is purely a medical article, but they're saying in order to stay happy and productive, the role of having an organized lifestyle, setting realistic goals and involvement in meaningful activities was emphasized. Well, I think we can see that from a church perspective, uh, how that totally can fit in as youth pastors, youth workers, how we can help make that happen. We can help keep them organized by as much level of normalcy as, you know, I'm, I know I'm talking to a lot of listeners that are all over the map and what they may be allowed to do based on either what state or province they're in, what country they're in. Um, but I think it's interesting it stresses having meaningful activities. Well, my goodness, you know, youth services or youth functions have never been as meaningful as they are right now. Um, Jumping over to another journal article from South Africa that was published in journal January 29th, January 29th of this year. Um, it's highlighting the fact that nurturing has broken down um, when it comes to, you know, how COVID-19 has implemented lockdowns. Uh, social relations have been disrupted. Obviously, families are experiencing a lack of income, interruption in health services, uh, poorly implemented social safety nets are threatening the health and well-being of children directly. Again, this is not a church or Christian article. This is put out purely by uh, the medical field. Um, it also highlighted that in addition to fear engendered by media and conversations around them, the ability of adults to protect their adolescents may be eroded by their own rising anxiety and mental health concerns. So again, what that's pointing to is the fact that there's a breakdown in family structure because People have been shut down from the lifestyles they're used to. Uh, they're used to living. Uh, people reacting to stressful situations. Uh, they, they're reacting in different ways. Some are withdrawing and becoming cold. We all have students in our youth groups that are they automatically isolate. Uh, uh, some though go into depression because they they have to isolate. Uh, others are experiencing breakdowns in their you know social controls. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know about where, where you live at, Adam, but I know here in Texas, uh, right here in Dallas, we've, we've seen a rise in reports of domestic violence cases because kids are at home. It's not just that, that the ability to get kids into school so they can learn better rather than social distance, rather than social learning from uh, distance learning from home. But for a lot of these kids, it's a way to get out of abusive situations they have to endure at home, at least for certain hours of the day. Um, and so even this article that's from South Africa is reporting a major source of resilience for children is supportive adults beyond the household, such as mentors, extended family, educators. I'm going to add youth workers, you know, pastors, teachers at church. Uh, so I find it interesting that you have articles like this that 
they're not backing the church so much, but what they're saying will help is exactly what the church can offer. You know, networks of friends are especially important for adolescents and helping young people to negotiate their growing independence and the demands of family, school and society. That's where a youth group can come in. Uh, throw another couple of things out from another article. Uh, this is from the Journal in Artificial Intelligence and Neuroscience. Now, this comes from a company in Eastern Europe, uh, but it was published in the summer of last year out of a study of 2,280 adolescents. They revealed that the most common form of self-harm during this COVID-19 pandemic has been torturing themselves with self-defeating thoughts. Now, it does address the, uh, the rise in attempted suicide rate, but but self-defeating thoughts, you know, how, how adolescents are talking to themselves, how, they're, how they see themselves has been a key problem. And I think even though that's in Eastern Europe, we can relate that to our Western culture. We've seen that right here. I know I have, even in our own church, uh, working with, pe- with, with our young people and with young adults and adults in general that, you know, it's, it's hard to not be depressed when our lifestyle, the way we've known it, has been taken from us due to the, in the name of safety. Um, so there's, there's other articles there. There's, there's a lot of things I could dive into, but that's the gist of just, you know, an example of, well, here's what the medical field is saying. No Christian ties whatsoever, but yet what they're recommending the church can do providing influencers and teachers beyond just their family. Um, uh, the need for social relationships. Well, duh, that's what the church is for. That's what the youth group's for. You know, one conversation that a lot of people I don't hear having, but this is just my experience, is uh, while we're seeing in certain pockets improvements, and of course we're learning how to live in a pandemic, um, I, I look at history. What does history teach us? You know, you look at history. Now, these aren't all the pandemics that we've experienced, but at least some just within the last few hundred years. Um, you had the West African Ebola pandemic that lasted for two years, from 2014 to 2016. Uh, the H1N1 swine flu pandemic. Some people may remember that. That was from 2009 to 2010. Um, the Asian flu from 1957 to 58. Everybody remembers the, the, or at least I say remembers, has talked about or heard talked about in the news, the Spanish flu that hit the U.S. from 1918 to 1920, two years to three years. Um, they... I, so I look at, based on history, this thing's probably going to last two to three years. We're about a year and a, almost a year and a half into this. So I, I think we probably have another year of, you know, of, of without having to look over our shoulder to see if COVID's, you know, completely behind us. Um, I don't know what that necessarily looks like, but I think, you know, we're not, yeah, I'm in Texas and churches have been exempted from a lot of, a lot of restrictions and all. That doesn't, you know, I know that's different for you in Canada, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You are the land of the actual free. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But even, I mean, but even within states, I mean, it's different state to state in the United States, you know, going into New York or to California is totally different. There's a lot of restrictions, even from state to state. So we're not out of the woods. I think we're coming out, but we're not out of it. So how does this look like in the UPCIs focused just on youth ministry in the UPCI? Obviously, yeah, shut down, stop sectional youth rallies. They stop youth camps, conferences. Um, I talked to one family that their, their young person in their home was dealing with a lot of stress because their AYC trip they had looked forward to all last year got canceled. 
Um, uh, talking to to my, my friend Seth Boyd with P7 uh, Bible Study Clubs. You know, obviously, yeah, when schools shut down initially, a lot of the P7 Bible Study Clubs shut down. Of course, recently they had to cancel NAYC uh, this year. But there are some positives, Adam. Uh, you know what, due, to, due to, to many areas starting back up, obviously church services are slowly returning to a level of familiarity like they were before in, in certain pockets. Uh, in some states and in areas where the restrictions are less, we're seeing youth rallies and district youth events coming back. Um, uh, again, Seth Boyd told me that um, since January 2021, in both the U.S. and Canada, there have been some P7 Bible study clubs that they've had to go to Zoom because the school's canceled or they're meeting at coffee shops because they can't meet at school. And we've actually had some students receive the Holy Ghost in online Zoom meeting P7 Bible study clubs. So we're adapting. You know, that's not that, that's not everywhere, but we're adapting. Um, I know our youth group had to learn to do some things virtually just for the sake of saying, staying connected last year. And again, we're able to phase back some things, but we're not all the way out of the woods yet. Takeaways, the research from these handful of articles, you know, tells us, or at least tells me, we're in the perfect hour for the church, especially for passionate youth workers. Um, some places, because they are less restrictive, you know, practices need to be tailored for where you're at. But I think this is a great hour for the church. Um, our students need so much positive influence. They need connection as much as possible. Um, we're learning how to use, even for those that are not as adept as others, we're learning how to use social media like we never have before. Um, but, you know, I'm telling, I'm telling youth workers, you know, if you're allowed to meet in person in some way, shape or form, do it. You know, I appreciate we've got some of our staff members that take time to meet one on one with some of these kids, uh, even if it is just small groups, just to keep them connected. So, you know, it it may sound weird, but planning activities that keep people you know, physically and, and active is one. That was one of the things one of these articles talked about was, you know, depression, and anxiety is correlated to an inactive, unhealthy lifestyle. So as as funny as it sounds. If you, if you have access to a gym or a basketball court or some way that you can get young people out physically moving, not only are they getting to be together in a safe environment with their, with their friends and leaders, at least hopefully it's a safe environment, um, get them active. It will, help. It, it will help with some of those depression and anxiety, just walking, just, just being out, moving around. Um, and so, so – it serves so much in so many ways to help physically healthy, emotionally healthy, uh, spiritually healthy for youth groups to do what they can to be together. Uh, and again, follow-up has never been more important. We've seen that at all levels, but especially with youth groups. Hopefully our youth workers are doing what they can to tag in, even with those isolated ones that they haven't seen in a while. So, you know, this isn't our forever normal but I would remind us again, just looking at the history. Yeah, we still probably got another year or so of working our way out of this, but this isn't going to last forever. So we're, we're dealing with it. We're learning, but we're, we're coming out of it. So that's what I'd want to tell your listeners today, Adam. Glad to be a part. Awesome. Well, this, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for um, sharing 
And I know you don't just speak from uh, a place of, of youth ministry experience and we'll, we'll get your history and, you know, one, later on in the interview of your youth ministry experience, but, but you're also speaking as somebody that is uh, a professional in the mental health um, uh, field. And so um, thank you so very much. And then providing the research, I think it just, it has underscored to me how essential they, you know, how essential the church is. And rather than, you know, and I know that most leaders are not like this now, but rather than just kind of like battening down the hatches and say, you know, let's ride this out and we'll figure out how to, you know, we'll, we'll figure out how to get the guests to come back. And, you know, the, the other ones to come back, uh, you know, when this is all over, that's not an option for the church. Right. We got to, we got to think, we got to think outside the box, get creative and let's get ahead of the game. Not wait, not wait till it's over with to get started. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. You know, we're just starting. Uh obviously listeners know I'm I'm in Canada. I'm specifically in the province of Ontario, which our, our premier was mentioning, I think it was two weeks ago, that we have some of the most, and at least in our province, the most restrictive um COVID-19 regulations out of any other jurisdiction in North America. And uh, schools have been shut down and you know, Toronto and and Peel regions. But at the same time, news outlets are are starting now, finally, <laughs> to talk about the mental health impact on young people. There's been a 63% spike in eating disorders at, at one particular hospital, which they're saying is actually leading to a higher risk of comorbidities of the impact of COVID-19 on young people. So young people that would normally get COVID and not know they had it. There's now a group where this has the ability to significantly impact their physical health because of the impact lockdowns have had and other restrictions have had on their on their mental health. And so I think this just underscores kind of what what you had said, that we've got to try to find ways to make youth ministry happen no matter like no matter what. So I've got a few questions I've written down. Um, I've shared some of them with you, but before, and then I wrote down a couple as, as you were talking, if that's, that's okay. So yeah. You talked about, it's so important to, to set goals, get young people to set goals or, or bring some practices to kind of stabilize and normalize their routines, which end up stabilizing and normalizing their mental health. What are some, you know, there may be some some youth pastors that are listening like, I need to do that, but I don't know what to do. What are some good goals or or targets that youth workers can set for their young people? Or what are some practices that they can kind of introduce to families um, and introduce to young people that would stabilize their mental health? Well, thinking in terms of for the people living in more restricted areas that they can't meet. In, in the ways that they've been used to utilize the technology, you know, create some kind of devotional if necessary, if they can't meet for youth services yet or, or very limited numbers, you know, I think like you said, where you're at 15% capacity right now, yeah. you know, think, think in terms of, of devotionals uh, or shooting the tech, you know, just, just, for me, I have to use reminders. I, I use apps to remind myself to do things. I literally will put into a reminder, check on so-and-so, and I'll schedule it once a month or ever so many months to remind me. People think I'm extra thoughtful. No, I just, I live and die by to-do list and reminders. So 
it may be put reminders in your phone to 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 check on different youth youth uh, students in your in your youth group uh, days of the week. They so they know it can be coming. Uh, uh, if, if it's a tagging, if you can have in-person youth services, part of it's just establishing, helping them establish those routines of knowing, okay, if it is re- still restricted, I know for us, we've, we've kind of been good since last summer, but before that, our youth knew, okay, there's going to be every Wednesday night, something playing, they can, they can log in and watch and since they can't come to a youth service. We had Sunday school normally at 10 a.m. Well, during the 10 a.m. service uh, or 10 a.m., hour on Sundays, our, our youth pastor would prepare something for them or at least have something for them to do. They might have a Zoom. They, they had games they could play with Zoom. You know what? It was challenging. It doesn't replace in person. At best, it was still difficult, but at least it provided something for them to look forward to. Um, and so, again, th- that's for those I'm thinking of more in more restricted areas. You know, obviously, yes, hopefully, if you're living in an area that's re- that's loosening up on restrictions, I hope to God that you're working to bring back some sort sort of youth service or youth activity, and not just waiting till it's all in the clear. Even if you're not getting everybody back, for God's sake, start something, do something. Yeah, yeah and, and that's you know I could I talk about my church, my context a little bit because that's really the thing I'm the most familiar with. Absolutely. But that's that's where we were. That's where we were at. So. Right now, we are restricted to, we were shrunk from 30% occupancy to 15% occupancy. Um, the hilarity of all of it, and I know this is not the place to get on my soapbox, but I can't, I can't <laughs> help it. The, the hilarity of it all is if we decided to sell marijuana at the welcome booth in the church foyer, um, we'd be able to increase our church capacity to 50% of our building. But I digress. Um, one of the things we did, because we we're like, this is so important, is, you know, my dad was the senior pastor. We suspended in-person midweek Bible study, moved it online so that our youth group could have the main sanctuary so that they could have the youth group together for a weekly youth service because it was, you know, it was so important that we we minister to probably the more spiritually and emotionally vulnerable demographic that is least likely to be negatively impacted um, by as far as physical health by COVID-19. And so kind of speaking to that end, so we, we, we're going to try to do something, right? You know, uh, we're encouraging youth pastors that are listening right now, whether they, you know, they, they live, as we've got, a, we've got people that live in Canada, yeah. UN, United States, all across different health jurisdictions. Um, there, there are varying degrees. And so the message to youth workers is do something. Find a way to do something. And the moment you can safely, you know, and are allowed from your government to to do in person, find a way to move to that for that group. But then the the follow up question to that is uh, how how can we ease the fears of of moms and dads? So I think people are all over the map when it comes to COVID-19 and the Internet has been a very fun place to watch all of those ideas unfold. What are some ways that youth ministers and youth workers can ease the fears of parents who are hesitant to allow their young people to regather with, with other young people? Sure. Well, and I'll use our church as an example. Being in Texas, our governor, uh, who's conservative, he exempted churches and religious organizations from, from the restrictions uh, that regular businesses were having to comply with. 
in one on that can be a two edged sword because on one side we were thanking God for religious freedom. But then again, that also put a target on our backs from the skeptics of, okay, well, how do I know this is not going to be a, a super spreader if we come? So you had people that were afraid to come. So we looked at what our, our public school systems were doing to implement COVID safety measures, because when we would invite parents, when we would invite kids or young people to come, even if the parents weren't coming, their, their question was always, well, well, what safety measures do you have in place? You know, I don't want to send my kid and just know that it could be infested with COVID for all, for all I know. So we followed a lot of what of our, again, I'm speaking for here in Texas, here in the yep. DFW area. Uh, we followed a lot of the protocols that our, our schools were implementing as they were doing restricted openings um, uh, and, and stepping back up. Uh, but I would also ask young people what, con so, so first of all, think of what, what kind of measures you can have in place to make it safe. Um, but then also what kind of conversations are the young youth workers having with their parents directly? What type of communication uh, are you having? Cause if you can, if you're having regular ongoing communication, you can build trust, not just informing them with an email of events, but you know what? How are you, are you getting to know what's going on in those families? I get it. Not every youth worker can be full-time. I get it. You work jobs. You have a life besides just being a youth worker, but think about it in those ways. How are you building trust with those parents beyond just for this challenge? I, I and I love that. I, I think it's, I think the way in which the way in which we can get parents on board with a, you know, a, a pandemic youth service is to have prior built relationships um, before pandemic. And if you have not done so, start doing that, you know, right, right now. And um, I, and I always think that when we kind of err on the side of, of caution, not, not to be, you know, COVID scared, but when we use common sense practices, I think it, it builds trust with, with those that are maybe nervous for one reason uh, uh, or another. And I think communicating openly when, when something, if something does, and when something does happen and, and responding in ways that kind of err on the side of caution. And that, that can be grating at times because if you're a passionate youth worker, you just, you want to, or a pastor, you just want to get, get back to, you know, whatever normal was before this yeah. happened. But there is, I think there is, we can't, we can't rush this because it is going to take, it is going to take a while. So I thought that was excellent. Um, now, because we are seeing mental health kind of issues in young people on the rise, youth pastors more than probably any other time are going to find themselves needing to provide pastoral care. And like you alluded to, most youth pastors listening to this right now, they're bivocational. They're like, they're, they're slugging 50, 60 hours a week at another job. And then on their time off days off, um, they are also kind of prepping for youth services and pouring back into their local church, as well as, you know, in some cases taking care of their family. And as a result, they're, they're not trained. They're not necessarily trained counselors or mental health professionals, but they have found themselves thrust into the position of providing mental health you know, peer related support to, to young people in the, in the crisis. So 
What are some practical kind of pastoral care tips that you can give to those that have found themselves more than ever providing that, that, um, that care? Number one, just be there. Just be there. Uh, I was actually invited here recently to a district conference of a, of a different district. And uh, uh, we were brought in just, just to conduct counseling sessions with, with their, their ministers and we stayed busy. But the thing is, it's not about having the answers. Counseling is not about advice giving. There, there's something to be said about just being there. Don't be like Job's friends. They did great. Job's friends did really great until they started talking. <laughs> but when they were just listening, uh, again, one of the studies, I don't think I cited, but there was a study from, from one of these, one of these academic journals in Brazil that, that pointed out some of these troubled youth, the reason they need outside social support is because when they finally do open up, that's when there's the opportunity to help them heal from depression and anxiety. Uh, and again, they're not thinking in terms of churches. They're just trying to give some what their academic and medical findings are revealing. But just be there. Just just be a friend. Check on them. But when they do open up, you don't have to give advice. Again, we talked about getting creative and how we get kids interacting with each other. Uh, you know, if especially if you have to have some type of COVID practices. But then I would ask, are you checking in on your young people? Again, put reminders in your phone. I, I have a lot that I do during the day. I have to have reminders. I'm not good enough to think about, oh, I need to check on so-and-so today. The problem is if that happens, it's usually two weeks later when I should have checked on them two weeks before. Yeah. So texting, calling, if you can visit them, you know, if, if where you live allows that. But yeah, you know, be there. That's my main thing. Be there. So what just because uh, everyone is used to BuzzFeed lists now, um, you know, what are, what are some top three uh, things that you would advise um, a youth pastor to do when providing pastoral care, you know, emotional, spiritual support um, to, uh, to a young person? What are, what are the top three things that they should always remember to do? Well, again, not sound like a broken record, but number one, be there. Yep. For them, be available, be approachable. Uh, that means sometimes you got to be in their be in their business as far as as far as be around, not just from a distance. Get creative in how you do youth ministry. Utilize the technology. Uh, uh, be you know, think in terms of how you can conduct youth events on Zoom if you have to, uh, or in smaller groups if you can't do the full youth group. But then, yeah, check on them. I know I just said all that, but that's the truth. Be there, get creative and, and, and be following up with them. Okay. So what are some things that we should never do that, you know, if we do them, we can kind of derail the support that we're trying to, trying to give. What are the things that we should never do? Uh, number one, don't buck the parents. They can be your, they can be your greatest ally or your worst enemy. Uh, parental support to me is the backbone of youth ministry. You need parents on your side. Number two, remember the buck doesn't stop with you. You don't have to have all the answers. You're, you're dealing with something complex. You need to be tagging in with your pastor. Uh, he's, you know, even if you're doing youth work as a volunteer basis, 
Think of the pastor as your boss. The buck stops with them. So see what they want you to do. Run your ideas by them. So don't fight the parents. Don't think the buck stops with you. And remember, this too shall pass. History teaches us this. We're coming out of this. It's not going to be this way for forever. Now, just because um, things are beginning to reopen doesn't necessarily mean that the impact of, of COVID-19 is over. There is this idea, you know, you're, you're, we're seeing a lot online, you know, once, you know, I, I've, I've even said it, you know, to friends and stuff, um, you know, once, once we can travel again, once we can get on, on, you know, get back to going on vacations, once I can go to Disney world, um, you know, every, everything's going to be, uh, everything's going to be okay. But one thing I have learned in, in my own life, whether it's, you know, my wife, you know, having cancer or, you know, my son um, with any health challenges or surgeries that he's had to have, there is the crisis event. And then there is the impact of the crisis after. I, th- I think it was, I was in North Texas um, with you guys while I was waiting to find out if my wife was going to have uh, a second cancer that. diagnosis. Well, God miraculously healed her. And that was amazing. God miraculously healed her and these calcified lesions that were on her thyroid, like they disappeared. What I wasn't ready for was the, like the only way I can describe it is an adrenaline dump that happened after the crisis was over. And I was like, once this is over, like, you know, I'll get, you know, the stress and everything, I'm, I'm going to be ready to go. And I found out that I had been like living on adrenaline for like a year and a half. And then there was this, there was this like mental crash that happened. And so I think I could be wrong and you're, you're the, you're the professional. So let, let me know if I am, but, but I think that we're going to see, there's going to be ripple effects. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, like you said, we're coming through this, but there is going to be a time between, you know, the, the height of the pandemic that we're in and life back to normal. There is going to, there's going to be this ripple effect. They're talking about in Canada, there's going to be a year or two, not for COVID-19, you know, COVID will be, will be kind of out. We'll be vaccinated, herd immunity, all, all that stuff. But then there will be economic and mental health recovery. That's going to take a year. What kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, what kind of fallout should we be looking for in our young people as we expect, uh, as we begin to recover? So what what are some of the things that when the peak of the crisis crests and we start to get back to, you know, our normal lives, what are some of the residual impacts of COVID-19 that we should be looking for in young people? Scripture says, where there is no vision, the people perish. One of the things I challenged all of our ministries as we were getting ready for 2021 is, look, I know we're still having to live under COVID restrictions, but let's plan as if not. We know what we have to do under COVID restrictions, but let's plan our calendar as if not, so that as things begin to be released, we can, we already have something to fill it with rather than having to go back to the drawing table and figure out what we're going to do. We're, we're, the horse is at the gate ready to go. So there, yeah, there's, you're going to see continual rise in, in demands for antidepressants, demand for anti-anxiety medication. You're going to, you're going to, I mean, I know here in the U S what we're all waiting for 
is when are our taxes going to increase because of all these stimulus checks? I mean, yes, that's, and so, I mean, that's, you know, people are thanking God if, you know, if it's, if it's supplying a need for the stimulus check, but, but others are not excited about it because they know we're going to pay for it down the line. Nothing comes free. So yes, on that side, on the economic side, who knows? Um, but, but I know for these kids, how powerful would it be if the church becomes the one thing in their life that is stable, that they can count on for support, for friendship, for prayer, a place for answers, a place for safety as they're navigating these new challenges? Because, yeah, I don't we're waiting right now. The housing market here in the U.S., especially here in Texas. Oh, my Lord, it's going so fast. That's going to that bubble's going to pop at some point. Interest rates are super low. And then some of that I know young people are, aren't going to deal with directly, but their families are. At some point, their families will be. So just, again, be there for them. I don't know how to equip except for just knowing that we've got to be the stable support they need when those problems come. But we don't need to still be in hiding. Yeah. Let's, let's be ready to be there, to be that listening ear, to be that support, to be, be there for prayer. For friendship, all of that. Now, leading in a pandemic has been intense. We've been we've been focusing on on young people and and we've been talking about best practices for them. But it's leaders have also been impacted, you know, by this by this as well. And so there may be people listening where you know the fatigue has set in. Um, or they they have faced depression or anxiety themselves. Maybe someone they know has gotten sick, and it has not been. Um, they have not been part of the ninety eight percent of people that that have no serious impact with COVID at all. And so, as a result, there's there's been some serious hospital visits, or you know, all of the things, the economic impact. Mm-hmm. If we've got to be healthy, if we are going to help our young people be healthy too, if. And, and I know there always will be stress and brokenness and and things that we are depending upon the Lord and the counsel of our leaders to help us through. But I also think that we got to strive as much as possible and take as much responsibility as possible for our own mental and spiritual health if we're going to be able to serve others. So how can we as leaders, because you know, we're not living in a bubble. We're just as much impacted by this as everyone else. How can we as leaders make sure that we are staying mentally healthy as we serve young people? Number one, don't be isolated. Getting to go to some of these district conferences and, and seeing, seeing we, 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 our, our own church hosted our district youth convention about a month ago. And people are just so happy to be able to come out, to get at, come out from hiding, to get together. So for leaders, don't be isolated. Uh, we need each other. Questions I would ask is, are, are, are we praying fasting as much, if not more than we were a year ago? Hopefully this pandemic's taught us to prioritize some things. Um, again, the counselor side of me asks, you know, what are your, do you have safe outlets to talk to? when you're dealing with things to make sure things aren't bottling up or that you're not handling stress in unhealthy ways. We need, this is why the district that brought us in, my wife and I, they, they realized and saw a need, Hey, our, our preachers, our ministers need somebody that's outside the circle 
that's unbiased, that doesn't know or any connections, somebody to talk to. So that's why they brought us there. I'm not a medical doctor, but yeah, are we staying physically active in some way? Uh, I have three small kids. Sometimes it's just good to get them all on bikes and just ride around the neighborhood for a little bit, if you can do that. Um, And then one thing that I still feel challenged with is that, are we still doing what God's called us to do? Are you still teaching Bible studies? It's amazing how cool. Adam, I got to just share this. One of the coolest things I do every Thursday is I get my car and I drive 25 minutes one way to meet, to meet Gary. Gary is a forklift driver at, at a a warehouse. He gets a 30 minute lunch break. I mean, on the clock. So I go up, I pull park in front of his, in front of, in front of the visitor parking area. He, he clocks out for lunch. He brings his lunch to my car. He comes and sits in my car. We pull out a little bit to just open parking space and we go through search for truth. I get about 25 minutes and I do that every Thursday with a few, few Thursdays, we may have to cancel or reschedule, but every Thursday, what's cool is his brother-in-law now takes his lunch break and he meets us and come gets in the car. It probably looks like we're doing a drug deal or something there in the warehouse parking lot. But, but what's so awesome is we literally, we sit in my car and for about 25 minutes, cause he's got to have a couple minutes to get back in and clock in. We we're teaching Bible studies. We started that during the pandemic last year. One thing I thank God for is the pandemic hasn't forced me to stop doing the will of God. I yeah. would challenge all your listeners to that. Are you still doing what God's called you to do? Absolutely. I, I um, this is all great advice. I hope everyone listening is, is making notes or hitting the rewind button on, on your, on your podcast app to listen to this over and over again. Um, I started riding my bike uh, more. I mean, initially in the lockdown, COVID-19 was more than just the name of a disease that attacks the lungs. It also was the amount of pounds I seemed to have put on. And that's right. And, you know, it just happened. I just realized I was really great at making cinnamon buns and, uh, and I made them and I was perfecting it. And then, uh, I was like, okay, something's, something's got to give here. (laughs) Otherwise my pants will. And so, it was wild to me besides, you know, trying to you know stop the meteoric rise of my weight, how much my mind felt clear when I would just ride my bike around the block. Like it just, there was this connection between getting, you know, uh, out and about, which is, I understand just made me sound super Canadian out and about just getting out and about um, uh, how much that actually impacted my soul. Like, I had more clarity when I read the word. I felt closer to God because God made, we can't compartmentalize our our life and say, well, I'm going to focus on my spirit, but to the neglect of my physical body, God made us a holistically, a, a whole being. And when I live the way he made me to live, it impacts everything else kind of around me. So when I stay connected to friends, you know, you mentioned without a vision, people perish. One of the things I, I had to do because I was getting into a funk. It was it was bugging me because we have very kind of intense outside of I think of Australia um, and maybe a couple places in Europe, which now have are much more open than than we are in Canada. Uh, I was like everything that I was used to doing to give me a sense of purpose and a sense of vision, kind of was just locked up 
And so I was like, what God's called me to do is an idea. It's a purpose. It's not a methodology. So I had to pivot that, but then just riding my bike. I, it was amazing. I felt yeah. so good. And, um, so I hope, I hope people have made some notes and, and I guess they're, they're going to going to go to Walmart now and buy a bicycle and, yeah, that's right. uh, and staying connected to purpose, staying connected to Bible studies. It's all really good. Now, couple, couple questions before we wrap up, we've, we've dealt with some big topics here. Uh, you are a mental health professional. You're working on your PhD, but you've also been very involved in youth ministry. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself before we get ready to wrap up a little bit about yourself and your journey in youth ministry. I grew up a PK in my home church, which I now am privileged to be the senior pastor, Emmanuel Pentecostal church in Mesquite, Texas. I love it. Uh, my wife and I and our family are so blessed. In 2005, I went on aim to Singapore with missionary Stephen Barbara Willoughby and I I was there working with their youth group, their youth leadership. I came home and began evangelizing. I preached a lot of youth rallies during that time, I guess, because I was young. People were like, oh, he, he's, he must be a youth. I, brought, I was brought in to do youth-focused events at churches on weekends and work youth camps in my home district. And uh, my wife and I became the youth pastor at our home church in 2007. And we, we did youth ministry locally as youth pastor for about six and a half years. Um, I was also blessed from 2011 to 2018, uh, got to serve on a district level, sectional director, promotions director, um, youth secretary, kind of a neat experience. Uh, my buddy Darren Gilbert and I were youth president, youth secretary. Uh, I was his youth secretary first in Texas district. And then in 2015, when we formed our new district, we just all moved over. And so we were youth president and I was youth secretary with him uh, for a few years in North Texas. Uh, I remember then, that. I remember yeah, yeah. being with you guys. It was it was Darren, you, and Josh Youngblood. Yeah, Josh Youngblood was the promotions director. The three of us were together. I was in the middle of probably one of the biggest, you know, family crises with my, you know, my wife's health. Yeah, and I that remember. we that weekend, I don't think I laughed harder in my life the three well, of you guys together yeah, i well, mean it was it if, was wild. If you're around Josh <laughs> Youngblood, you're gonna laugh and have a good yes. time. Uh, we, we, uh, we, yeah. So the three of us, our executive team literally just, we, we moved over in our formation uh, meeting. We were all reelected and put in as, as that same team. And it was a lot of fun for the, for the, up until 2018 when, when I stepped back from that, uh, we've preached, we've been privileged to preach, uh, youth camps and conferences in other countries. Um, and that's been fun to see God move in the same ways on total opposite sides of the world. So it's been fun. And the la last question, we ask this every interview that we do on the YM podcast, regardless uh, if, if we're talking, talking about, you know, mental health or we're talking about like we did with Josh last month in uh, leading, a, leading a church plant. Because yeah. we're talking with veteran youth workers, we always got to ask this. We always got to ask this, this question. Every person that's worked in youth ministry has at least one crazy youth group story where someone haywire, something went weird. Um, uh, mine, I have several, I was in youth ministry. I'm still in youth ministry, still the youth president here in Ontario. And so I've, I've been involved in youth ministry now. I think it's like 16 years. Um, and so I have to come up with a story usually every episode, but I have so many of them. Uh, we did, 
they they hyped me up one youth camp to become part of the gross out games, which I never do because I have like bad acid reflux and I just generally am very picky with my food. And uh, we had just had a great altar call, great service, and they hyped me up. And and I was I was tired and I had no filter left. And so I'm like, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to play this game with the kids. And I ended up being one of the very first to like vomit all over the place. Yeah, like yeah. It's me in front of 150 <laughs> teenagers with their phones out as I retched the youth president retched into an open in an open garbage can. And so that's that's one of mine. I think it was pickle juice or like. Oreos made it a toothpaste. I don't oh. know if it was the, a week of camp food before that, but it just all hit me. And there they were howling, laughing their heads off as, as I was thrown up in front of the yeah. whole youth group or in front of the whole, whole youth camp. What about you? You got any crazy youth group stories? Our first year, again, we need to be passionate. It's just sometimes maturity will help you guide that passion better. <laughs> um, we had the, we had the cool, we have a really cool campus. I mean, we've got a big, we've got a big church campus. And our sanctuary seats about a thousand people. And so we had the bright idea. We've got like three or four foyers around uh, the campus. And so it, it's kind of an all front building. So we had the awesome idea of let's play capture the flag at <laughs> night with the lights off inside oh, no. the building. <laughs> and we'll let, we'll just let the youth pick there. And so, uh, it, it was a blast. It was a great idea at the time. It went down at that point as one of the funnest events we ever did. When we started turning the lights on, I had no idea the damage to the walls. Uh, we had outlets that had been kicked, you know, because when you're wrestling that flag away from each other, oh, you know, it's chaos. You know, things yeah. get rough. And when there's no lights on, it makes it even worse. And uh, and so, yeah, I was told if, you know, if, if it weren't for that, your that your blood, you'd probably be fired. So we were, you know, we were got in a little bit of trouble. I was, I was told gently, uh, let's not do that ever again. <laughs> so a lot of fun at the time, but in the wake of things, we haven't done that since. That's awesome. Well, listen, Chad, thank you so very much for, for being on the show today. You've given us a lot of tremendous advice, a lot of great practical tips. And I think one of the things that has been so helpful about um, this interview today and, and the stuff that you've talked about today is you you have shown all of us that supporting the mental and emotional health of uh, young people during the COVID-19 pandemic is something that we are actually equipped to do. And yes. that there are just some very, very simple things that obviously we're, we're thankful for professional counselors like yourself, but there are a whole bunch of things that we can do if we're not mental health professionals that will make a tremendous impact and make a tremendous difference in the lives of young people. And we are coming out of this and we are moving forward. And so let's get our visions ready because we're going to see great revival on the other side of, of all this. Thank you so much for your time today. Honored to be with you, Adam. God bless you and your listeners.